He is risen. He is risen indeed. So what? I mean, that may seem like a terrible question for a preacher to ask on Easter morning. But it's a question that you need to be able to answer and answer well. I mean, how would you answer that question? So what? It's important you be able to answer it because those who think Easter is mostly about rabbits and eggs need to know the reason that we care that he is risen. And those who consider spring break a bigger deal than Easter on their calendar need to know why we care so much that he is risen. Those who slept in so they can be in tip-top shape as they watch the last round of the Masters Golf Tournament today need to know why we care so much that he is risen. There's a world full of people out there, both near and far, a world that needs to know why we care that Jesus rose from the dead. We need to be able to answer their so what. And let me just confess something to you. In my early Christian life, I could not have given a good answer to that question. I was glad Jesus didn't stay dead. I love Jesus. But what did it matter? It wasn't the cross the thing that did it. I mean, even in our songs this morning, wasn't the cross the thing that did it? Why does it matter that Jesus rose from the dead? Where do we find a good answer? I hope you know that at least, right? Well, we find it in the, the Word of God. We do not need to come up with creative, philosophical, or, or, or quippy social media post answers for this. We can turn to the Word of God. We have the testimony of the Word of God. And specifically, this morning, we're, we're going to see how the play-by-play -play narrative of the resurrection in the Gospel of Matthew gives us a great answer to the question, so what? Matthew's got an answer for us. And he doesn't just tell us what happened. He lets us know why. So let's have a look at that. And I know you just sat down. Let's go ahead and stand up again and honor God's word as I read from Matthew 28. Because these are some of the most glorious words ever written. The word of God. Now after the Sabbath... Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, 
Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Father, we praise you, for you are the Almighty God. And as we, we, we look at this message and think about this word about Christ risen from the dead, we see, see your power at work as the Almighty God. The Lord, this morning we want to understand. We want to know why the resurrection of Jesus matters so much. Lord, I, I pray that if there's someone here who couldn't really answer that question, so what? I pray that before this day is over, your word will make that clear to them. Lord, I, I pray that if there's someone here who doesn't even understand why the cross matters so much, I pray that today they will understand why the cross matters so much to them. And I pray for everyone who came here this morning because they're excited that Jesus died and rose again. I pray that being reminded of it once more will be the source of their strength as they follow Christ. And we pray this in His name. Amen. You may be seated. Why does the resurrection of Jesus matter? Matthew 28, 1-10, I think, gives us three good, good answers to that question. Three answers we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at those. First of all, why does the resurrection of Jesus matter? The resurrection of Jesus matters because it is the end of fear as death is defeated. The resurrection matters because it's the end of fear as death is defeated. When the angels appeared at the tomb, what happened to the guards? They trembled and became as dead men. You don't want to miss that part. That is the natural world's response to Jesus rising from the dead. It's terrifying. They become like dead men. They're not dead, but they're, they're, they're at least not flat on their face, I imagine, unconscious. But the two Marys, they're also there. Mary and Mary, we'll call them. They're there at the tomb, and, and it seems they're about to go the same way as the guards. Right? But the, the guard-terrifying angel speaks up to them in verses 5 and 6 and says, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen as he said. The two Marys look and they see the empty tomb. And, and, and they believe and they follow the angel's instructions. And they go off to tell the disciples, just like the angel tells them to do. And then what happens? Jesus himself meets them on their way and, and, and says, Greetings! And, and but eventually, what's he say? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, let's think about those two encounters. One with the angel saying, do not be afraid. And one with Jesus saying, do not be afraid. The first instance, the women had every reason to be afraid. Right? You're going to a tomb that you expect to be closed. You're going to need some help to get it open so you can show some love to the body. But the body's gone, and there's these scary, glowy angels at the tomb. Angels are not cute little Christmas tree pixies or blonde flowing hair, golden wing things. They are terrifying. People are always scared of angels in the Bible. Right? So these women, they've got every reason to be terrified. And in the second instance, you know, they leave there, it says, afraid and joyful. 
a little bit of mix going on there, and they meet Jesus. So they're in a heightened emotional state, and they encounter Jesus. And he just says, greetings. People that you have seen executed and buried do not meet you on the road and say, hi. That's terrifying, right? In both cases, they had every reason to fear. And in both cases, the message to them is, do not fear. Don't be afraid. And the reason's given. The angel first gives the reason. You don't need to, to fear because he is risen. He's risen. This isn't an empty tomb with scary angels. This is the tomb that he walked out of. Don't be afraid. This is victory, not loss. And in the second case, they do not need to fear because, well, he's standing there. He is risen. It's evidence that the angels were right. And if he is risen, is, not, is, is reason enough not to fear at the empty tomb, physical evidence of the fact that he really is risen is, is all the evidence you should ever need to say, I do not need to fear. In both cases, even though there's ample reason to fear, there is every reason to quit fearing because Jesus is risen. The message of the risen Christ is a message to us that says, do not fear. Friends, you may have come here this morning with many things in life that cause you fear. I mean, life is a fearful thing. Maybe you're in the middle of a health scare. Maybe you fear the loss of a relationship that's turning bad. Maybe you fear economic ruin. That there's more out than in. Maybe you fear a, a certain person in your life. Maybe you just fear the future in general. You're scared of where this whole thing's going. There are a lot of reasons you might have come here this morning afraid. By all the world's standards, you have every reason to be afraid this morning. I mean, if, if your whole hope for joy is the news, you have every reason to be afraid this morning. But Jesus is risen. Do not fear. This is the word of the heavenly host to you this morning. If the angels were to show up to you this morning, they would tell you, do not fear, he is risen. It's also the word of Christ to you this morning. If he were to show up, he would tell you, you need not fear, I am risen. Fear can be conquered in your life today for this very reason. The resurrection of Jesus declares death is defeated. I mean, isn't that it? Isn't that why we can say, do not fear? Death is defeated. I mean, you're a little kid. You're scared of the dark. Mom and dad come in and say, you don't need to be afraid of the dark. And then they walk out of the room and it's still dark. What happens? You're still afraid. Mom and dad are wonderful. They're believable. You can trust them, but you're still afraid. Right? So just the words, do not fear, don't drive out fear. You know what drives out fear? The defeat of death drives out fear. The one who came 
for you. Jesus came for his people. The one who came for you has defeated death. Death is a loser. The, the resurrection of Jesus matters because it's the end of fear because death is defeated. Friends, the one thing we are wired to fear above everything else is death. I mean, think about that. We're wired to fear death for a good reason. Death stinks. And just, just this last week, I heard of a 14-year-old boy killed in a car accident where his older brother was driving. There's grief in that family. Death is not right. Death stinks. A day or so later, I heard of a 12-year-old boy who was a member in one of our association churches who was shot and killed. That family is, is weeping this morning. And, and, and death stinks. It's horrible. Mankind has been in the position to fear death ever since Adam ate that apple, or whatever fruit it was. Ever since Adam took a bite. Think about it. All Adam knew was life. Nothing to fear. Everything was good. Nothing to fear. But the curse was that if you eat of that fruit, you shall surely die. And that moment, fear entered in. Because death was a reality. The fear of death is the first thing the Bible puts forth in front of us as something to fear. It's death. Death stinks, and we are naturally wired to fear death. But because of the resurrection of Jesus, if you are in Christ, you do not need to fear death. What makes death so scary? Separation and permanence, right? That's the scary bit about death. Death is the end of something. I mean, in the, the, as far as we've experienced, it's the end. Everything that was joyful about life ends in death. If we took dead people to hospitals to fix their death problem, we wouldn't fear death so much. But we take them to graveyards to bury them in the ground. Because death is the end. And that's why it's so scary. But it's not the end. Jesus, the one who came for us, identified with us, took our sins upon himself, suffered for those sins on the cross, defeated death. He walked out of the grave, so do not fear death. And friends, if you can say, I do not fear death, everything else gets a little smaller. Once you really don't fear death. Friends, Jesus is more powerful than death. If he's got death covered for you, he's got everything else covered too. Since we know Jesus is for us, we know Jesus is more powerful than death, the message to the two Marys is the message to us, do not fear. Why does the resurrection of Jesus matter? It matters because the end of fear is the result of the resurrection of Christ. He drives out fear. But the resurrection of Jesus also matters because it is a good promise turned into good news. It's a good promise turned into good news. 
The angels don't just tell Mary and Mary not to be afraid. They give them a good reason not to be afraid. It's because he's risen. But there's more to it. That's not even the end of the sentence, is it? Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. He was crucified and in the grave. They knew that. They watched that happen. Now he's not in the grave. They've observed that too. They've seen the empty tomb. They've met the risen Christ. Well, not when he said that yet, but they will. He's risen. That's amazing. As he said is pretty amazing too. Jesus, the crucified one, did not just die on the cross, find the whole thing a little too untasteful, and get up out of the grave since it wasn't all he thought it was cracked up to be. It wasn't that Jesus just didn't like the death thing, and so he did the life thing again. This was the plan all along. He always was going to die and always was going to rise again. In John 2, 18 and 19, the Jews say to Jesus, What sign do you show us for doing these things, the miracles? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. Matthew 16, 21 from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Then again in Matthew 17, 22 and 23, as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day. Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 to 19. Jesus is going to Jerusalem, takes the 12 aside. On the way, says to them, See, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Matthew 27, verses 62 and 63, just before this, the chief priests and the Pharisees tell Pilate, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Jesus made the promise over and over and over again. They will kill me, and on the third day I will rise. The, the, the Jewish leaders heard it, the disciples heard it, and even after the crucifixion, the scribes and the Pharisees quote it to Pilate that Jesus said, I will rise on the third day. Isn't that amazing? Jesus says, my enemies will treat me like a criminal. They will even kill me. But like Jonah was only three days in the belly of the whale, on the third day I will rise up out of the grave alive. And even his enemies remembered that promise. He promised that after being executed, he would rise again. And the angel tells Mary and Mary that they need not fear because he has risen just as he said. The resurrection of Jesus matters because it is a good news promise kept. 
It is a good news promise that has turned into good news. I mean, it is good news. We all get that. This is gospel stuff. Just as he said, though, that's good news kicked up a notch. That means that this resurrection was part of the story that God had written from beginning to end all along. This is, this is the kingdom-claiming mission of Jesus, the Son of Man, sent from heaven to claim His kingdom by dying and rising again and ascending to the throne. He came to take on the sin that brings death. He came to drink the cup of God's wrath against sin that brings death. And He came to drink that cup all the way down to the dregs in full such that the cup was empty and death could not hold Him anymore because sin had been completely dealt with. Such that, such that there was no more sin to be dealt with, therefore no more death as a punishment for sin, therefore He rose from the dead. And he says that that death, burial, and resurrection, that whole thing was God's plan for keeping his covenant promises. When he says, just as, when the angel says, just as he said, what he's telling Mary and Mary is he's saying that all those promises made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they just came true as Jesus walked out of that grave. All those promises made to David about that great kingdom, they just became sure as Jesus walked out of that grave. All those promises made to Moses just came sure as Jesus walked out of that grave. All the promises of God in him are yes and amen, as he said. Because the resurrection, we can trust every promise God ever made to us. You think, how can I really believe that he would take me to heaven and it would be that glorious and I would see him face to face and there would be no more sorrow, no more weeping, no more tears, no more death. How can I believe that? Well, if he can keep the promise that they will kill me and I will rise again on the third day, he can keep the promises to you too. As he said means that all of his promises are sure. So why does the resurrection of Jesus matter? It matters because the end of fear comes as death is defeated and it is a good promise turned into good news. And also the resurrection of Jesus matters because it is a new beginning for all who believe. The resurrection of Jesus is a new beginning for all who believe. Mary and Mary, do not fear. Go and report the news to the disciples, right? So do not fear, he's risen, just as he says, go tell my disciples. There's so many songs that come into my mind right at that point. Um, isn't, I mean, isn't Easter great that way, though? It's just full of songs. Well, let's think about these Marys for a moment, though. Well, one of the Marys is Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene's a woman who had been possessed by demons until Jesus set her free. In other words, she was one messed up woman who was a great miraculous benevolence project by Jesus. He set her free from demons. But now, now because she knows Jesus is risen, she is one of the first two post-resurrection evangelists in history. Isn't that amazing? 
demon-possessed woman, one of the first two post-resurrection evangelists. The other Mary, assuming it's the same woman as the Mary introduced in, in 27, chapter 27, verse 56, is likely the mother of two of the lesser-known disciples. Right? I mean, I, I, when I was thinking about her, I thought, that's like, that's like if we were, weren't talking about disciples, if we were talking about like any sports team I was ever on, that would be my mom. Oh, she's the mom of that Henriksen kid. You know, the, that, that one, right? The one that doesn't play much and we're kind of scared when they let him in, right? So she's a mom of the lesser known disciples. Her, her sons hardly get any ink in the New Testament and, and really their mom doesn't really show up to this point. But now what is she? She's the other one of the first two post-resurrection evangelists. She is one of the first two women to go take the good news to people who need to hear the good news. How about that for a new beginning? I mean, think about this. They may have been among women who traveled with the disciples and cooked meals. We don't know that for sure because there's not a lot of detail about that. But suddenly, they are the first two messengers of the good news. They are the first two people to meet the resurrected Christ. They are the ones that the angels make the announcement to. They are set to be evangelists. Can you imagine what their lives are like after this? I mean, who do you want to have come speak at your women's banquet at church? I want Mary and Mary. I want Mary and Mary. I mean, these other gals may have written a book and done a speaking tour, but Mary and Mary, the angel testified to them, and then Jesus said greetings to them, and then they got to go tell the disciples. The disciples didn't come tell them. They got to go tell the disciples. I mean, was there ever a conversation that Mary and Mary had in their lives from this moment forward that didn't involve this? I mean, if I'm one of the Marys, I'm sneaking it in if it doesn't show up. It's kind of like, you know, when we were at the tomb and that angel, angel, oh, scary angel, let me tell you, and do not be afraid. And then we met Jesus and he just says, hi. And it's just, I mean, Right. Their whole life now is defined by this. It is all new for them. Even though the disciples, you know, that, that, that receive the good news from these two women, they become the apostles. They are the great leaders of the church. Don't you imagine that in the minds of those disciples, these women had a special place? Well, who, who's Mary over there? She's the one who came to tell us Jesus was risen while we were hiding. Right? You know, we're these great apostles. We're, we're the guys who have the highest office in the church. We're the ones who can say, thus saith the Lord. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he talked to them first and sent them to tell us. Talk about a new beginning. I, I, I don't believe it's all at all speculative to say this. Once they met the risen Jesus, they experienced a completely new life. And let me just be clear about this. They experienced a new beginning just like everyone who meets the risen Christ. If you meet the risen Christ as revealed in his word, 
That includes you. When you encounter the risen Christ by faith, you don't get a second chance. Because if you got a second chance, you just blow that one and a third one and a fourth one too. You don't get a second chance. You get a new beginning when you meet Christ by faith. You have a new identity. Who are you now? You are someone who has encountered the risen Christ. That's who you are. They met him physically on a road, but you have met him by faith through the power of the Holy Spirit of God in the work of salvation in your heart. You are a completely new person. And you have a completely new view of the world. Those ladies never saw anything the same way again. You know it. Well, neither do you if you've met the risen Christ. Charles Hodge, a 19th century professor of theology, said this in, in his commentary on 2 Corinthians. He said, old opinions, views, plans, desires, principles, and affections have gone. New views of truth, new principles, new apprehensions of human destiny, new feelings of purpose fill and govern the soul. If you meet Jesus, if you really meet the risen Christ by faith, you will never see the world the same way again. It's a new beginning. And you have a new main event to your story. You know, people come up and they want to know, well, who are you? Who are you? Well, I tell you what, you're, you're going to be tempted to say, I am, and describe your vocation. Or you might, I am, and say where you're from. But if you're a Christian, who you are, I am someone who knows Jesus, the risen Christ. That's who I am. You have a completely new main event in your story. What is the big event? What happened to you in life that changed everything? What happened to me in life is I came to know Jesus. I came to know the risen Christ. The new main event in your story. And you've got a new mission. Quickly now, go tell becomes your mission too. Isn't it something that in Matthew, right here as we read Matthew, the two women are said, quickly now, go tell the disciples. And the book of Matthew ends with, go therefore and make disciples of all peoples. Right? It's the same. You have this same mission. You, you, you are now in the, the line that began with those two women as evangelists of the risen Christ. You are people to take the good news to those who are cowering in fear because they don't know the risen Christ. When you meet, meet the risen Christ in the pages of the Bible and you trust him with your life and you follow him, you have a new beginning. In John 3... Nicodemus wasn't told that he, he needed to choose sides or reform his ways. He was told he needed to be born again. He needed a new beginning. In 2 Corinthians and in Galatians, Paul says, if you're a Christian, he doesn't say you're a better person now. He, he doesn't say that. He says you are a new creation. You are utterly remade if you know the risen Christ. Why does the resurrection of Jesus so important? Why does it matter to us so much? Because we receive a new beginning because Jesus rose from the dead. A new life. He is risen and, and his resurrection matters because it is the end of fear as death is defeated. It is the good promise turned into good news. 
It is a new beginning for all who believe. So I want to just close by asking you a few questions. Is there a place where fear is ruling your life? Is there a place where fear is ruling your life? This is a hard world. Because when Adam disobeyed God and ate the fruit, a curse fell on the whole mess. And because of that, there is sin, and there is death, and there is sorrow. And that is true. It is everywhere in this world. So it's very possible right now that you have encountered so much of the fallenness of this world that fear is ruling over you. Let me offer you some hope. He's risen. Christ has defeated death for you. You, you don't need to fear anything because Christ is risen and he is for you. If Christ be for us, who can be against us? Powers, principalities, not even death itself can be against us if Christ is for us. Now, that doesn't mean they won't ever be against us. We know they will be. It just means they can never successfully be against us. We do not need to fear. So let me encourage you, if fear is, is ruling you in, in, in some area of your life, go to the Lord this morning with that fear and let the risen Christ drive it out. You do not need to be afraid. Or maybe you find yourself doubting this morning. You doubt some of the good promises of God. You know, as we read that psalm this morning, Psalm 86, over and over, the psalmist said, you know, God, I know who you are, and I know you made these promises, so I'm trusting in you. But sometimes the flesh gets hold of us, and we start to wonder if those promises are really true for us. We start to wonder, maybe, maybe Jesus forgives, but I've blown it too much at this point. I, I, I've gone too far. Maybe, maybe he just can't forgive anymore. Maybe the forgiveness bucket only had so much in it, and I've drawn it dry. Maybe you're doubting that he can forgive. Maybe you're doubting that, that he could ever really heal something that's broken in relationship you have. Friends, you do not need to doubt the promises of God. If he could promise a resurrection and pull it off, he can pull off any other promise he ever made. Which he means all those really incredible promises are true. So don't, you don't need to doubt him. So if you're doubting this morning, let me encourage you. Take those doubts to the risen Christ. And as you're talking to him, remember, he's the one who kept the promise and stepped out of that grave. Or maybe this morning, you're thinking, I, I'm just me. 
And that's not much. Thinking, well, you know, there's, you know, pastor, he gets up there in the pulpit and talks, and those, those musicians, they do all that singing. My Sunday school teacher can teach Sunday school, and I hear about these other people, and they all, they all go on mission trips. They do all these great things for the Lord, but I'm just, I'm just me. I'm just me. Well, let me tell you this. If you have trusted Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, if you have placed your faith in him and followed him, you are a new creation in Christ is who you are. The Almighty God has made you something new and is in the process of transforming you, Romans says, into the image of his Son. Right now, you are someone who is saved from the penalty of death and hell. You're rescued from that. You are being made into the image of Jesus. Okay? You are something. Not because you deserved it. None of us deserved it. But just because he has made you something. You have a new beginning in Christ. You have a new beginning in Christ. Or maybe this morning, maybe this morning you're wondering, I just don't know what to do with my life. You know, I, I, I can't seem to find direction. I, I'm not sure what, what should drive me, where I should use the gifts that God has given me. Well, I have one great suggestion for that. Start with this. Go tell. Go tell about the risen Christ. And whatever else you do, go tell about the risen Christ. If, if, if you are, oh, let's say you're someone who lays carpet for a living. And you may, may find great fulfillment in that. But you want a greater fulfillment? Go lay carpet and tell people about Jesus. Maybe you're a teacher. And some days you don't find all the fulfillment you might want in teaching. You want to I say? Go teach and tell people about Jesus. You'll find greater fulfillment. You have a mission. You have a purpose in life. It's the same that Mary and Mary had. Go tell about the risen Christ. Now, all of that is true. And all of that starts with fear not for those who are in Christ. Now, it is very possible that you are here this morning and you're, you're just lacking on every one of these. You, you're, you're afraid, you're doubting, you don't know what to do with your life, you're feeling guilty all the time, and, and maybe that's because you have never met the risen Christ by faith. Well, for you, I have good news. He's risen. He defeated death and hell, and he says he defeated them for you if you will only believe. If you will only accept this gift that he is willing to give you this morning, it's yours. The end of fear, the end of doubt, hope is yours this morning if you will just believe. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, it is amazing that he has risen, that your son has risen from the dead. And it matters. If anything in this world mattered ever, this matters, Lord. We see it. God, I, I pray that this time in your word, looking at your work, I pray that it has encouraged everyone here.
I pray that it has encouraged the, the lost one to come by faith to Christ. And I pray that it has encouraged the saint, that it has shown them that there is every reason to rejoice in the fact that Jesus is risen. And Lord, I pray that as we take this message to heart and we go out from this place, I pray that the risen Christ would go with us in our thoughts, in our passions, in our hopes, in our dreams, and that we would take the message of the risen Christ to a lost and dying world. Help us, Lord. And Lord, as we take a moment here to consider this message and, and sing a, a, a song, Lord, I, I pray that your spirit might, might reveal to those who need to respond in particular ways how they need to respond. And, and I pray that you would just help us rejoice in the risen Christ. And I ask this in his name. Amen.